Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, TGIF, thank God it's Friday. I mean, we've had a tough week this week. I thought it was yesterday. Wait, wait. Did we have a tough week this week, or did the White House have a tougher week? I think Hunter Biden had the worst week of all, and it could get a lot worse on Monday. He was five minutes away from getting a free, uh, you know, get out of jail free card. And now I think he's going to have a bad weekend because the new news, by the way, is that this Devin Archer, who is his longtime business associate on the Burisma board and longtime, I guess now an ex-friend, but longtime friend, uh, he is supposed to testify on Monday before Congress, and the word is, guys, uh, that he is now in hiding and fearful of his life, but still planning to testify on Monday. So wow. this could be a biggie. Well, I hope everything goes okay. I hope he's okay. And um, uh, there's one more. There is one more out there that uh, I have not Said who it is, and I won't tell you guys, and I won't tell a million people listening. Of what is that? What do you mean? Another good friend of Hunter's. Yeah. Another good friend of, uh, he was one of the uh, three friends. It is a third one. Well, but let's move on. Wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. Not, all right, not, we're not going to ask any names. I, I will whisper in your right, ear later. All right, all right, wait, but, but let me just ask you a question for everybody. Since he teased us this way, was, is this other friend... Sort of still a friend or a former friend? Well, he left town and hasn't been heard of in three years. Oh. Now, oh. Well, he All now right. the other thing I was upset about, by the way, uh, is uh, Governor Hochul wants to build a, um, uh, what is it? Uh, a um, Which are apartment. You? Oh, yeah, apartment, yes. And are you talking about down in uh, World Trade yeah, Center? Yeah, yes. Seven World Trade yes. Center. Yep. Across five, the street from yep. Seven five World Trade. Affordable yep. housing. Yes. I will say, and this is for a million people to listen out there, yes, on affordable housing. But you know who should have it first? American citizens. We should give it to the firemen. We should give it to the mm-hmm. police officers. Veterans. Sanitation uh, people, veterans. People, that veterans. Are still, people that are serving still our, our city and our country. I agree. Let them have the affordable housing, not the migrants that just came over 10 minutes ago. Uh, I, John, Let's, it is. We put them in luxury building next to the Seven World Trade Center. Uh, John, Give me a break. And by the way, Eric Adams, who has a meeting, <laughs> Eric Adams has a meeting with Mayorkas since we're on the topic of migrants. Um, and I thought, okay, maybe they're going to help. They're going to do something. A, Guess what? Do you know, but you know what he got? What he got? He got a liaison from the White House is basically going to is somehow visit call, New York. Is that what you call in Brooklyn, Ungats? Yeah, it's yeah. called uh, It's called uh, at City Hall. We hogwash. support on your round. All right, let's around. go to our first guest. Yep, we have joining us now Trump attorney Jesse Banal. Trump uh, attorney Jesse, thank you so much for joining us, Jesse. Uh, let's get to it because there is so much out here. Uh, before we get into the new charges against President Trump, they went after uh, also the maintenance guy. We'll get to that in a moment. Did you get the milkman yet? You no, know, they're, they're working on him. Pizza the guy. Pizza yeah, yeah, the pizza delivery yeah. guy. I mean, this is crazy. Uh, uh, where does it yeah. stop, Jesse Banal? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it only stops uh, once Jack Smith uh, is satisfied that he has destroyed um, not only Donald Trump, 
but anybody who uh, politically agrees with, with Donald Trump, anybody that's, that's near Donald Trump, he is on an absolute vendetta campaign um, to, uh, uh, to interfere with the 2024 election and to make it so that the American people are not going to have the final voice on who their president is going to be. And so he's just going to keep coming um, until, until we win the election. And then we can finally have some accountability. You know, Jesse Bunnell, do you think also that charges are coming against President Trump, um, who you know well? Um, do you believe more are coming on January 6th? Because the grand jury met yesterday. I know that uh, Trump's attorneys, a number of them were there in the meeting also with special counsel, Jack Smith. Where, where do you think that's headed? Well, I, and, uh, for the same reason, you know, it's uh, I think Jack Smith is going to do everything he possibly can to take out Donald Trump. And so is that going to include some some, uh, you know, trumped up charges, uh, no pun intended, in in Washington, D.C.? I think it, it probably is. There's no factual or legal basis for them. And I, I can, you know, explain why. Um, you know, first of all, we all know that on January 6th, President Trump said that people should peacefully and patriotically make their voices heard. Last I heard, that's not a crime. Speaking at a rally isn't a crime. Um, but if they try to, to come up with some other theory, for instance, that trying to get members of Congress to vote against certifying the elections, if they're going to say that's a crime, well, every single Democratic, uh, losing Democratic presidential candidate going back to uh, from uh, the year 2000 forward has contested presidential elections. Uh, members of Congress have have contested the results of the presidential election in Congress, and nobody was uh, uh, was brought before uh, a grand jury. Uh, people's lives weren't weren't ruined um, by having to spend you know tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars on on legal bills when the Democrats did it. But we live in a justice system right now where, unfortunately, it is two different systems of justice. If you're part of the Democratic Party or the, or the permanent Washington, D.C. establishment, then you're above the law. And if you're a Trump supporter or an average American, um, then they can just take and they can destroy you knowing that the punishment is the process. Yeah, it's amazing. Everybody, we're talking to Trump attorney Jesse Bunnell. Jesse, you know, we had Andy McCarthy on, uh, you know, former deputy U.S. attorney who was here on the show mm-hmm. a couple of days ago, um, right when all this stuff was happening with Hunter. And I said, what do you think happens yeah. next? And his answer was Judge Weinberg's here in the studio with us, said uh, they're going to go after Trump. There's right. going to be more charges. It was just a question of how soon. Yeah, but we right. got two Democrats in the, in, in the studio. I'd like to have their opinion. I mean, Judge Weinberg, Governor Patterson. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm here just listening and I just want common sense. That's all I want. I defer to the governor first round. I, I, well, never, then, common I've sense never, out of him. <laughs> I've never been particularly bothered by the issue involving the documents. In other words, where they were and who had them. And even if he showed a picture of an airplane from Iran to some friends. In other words, it didn't seem to me like anything that's going to jeopardize the nation's uh, safety. And I also didn't think much of the indictment in New York. Um, I have wondered if their best possible case would be January 6th, because he did have a lot to say during that time, and he didn't appear to be trying to stop anything when it started to get out of hand. That's where I think he might have a problem. Otherwise, uh, the, the rest of this, I I would imagine, would go away. I th- yeah, and, and Judge— But, but if, isn't if it embarrassing? Actually... Isn't it, guys? I, I'm saying to everybody, I'm just an you know, yeah. ordinary common-sense person— isn't it embarrassing to the whole world that we're doing this? 
It is. We look yeah. silly. Jesse yeah. Banal, Trump attorney, your thoughts. Yeah, no, and and I mean, first of all, I, I think we are an embarrassment to the rest of the world right now, this banana republic type stuff of going after your political opponents um, using the most powerful justice system in the, in the country is an embarrassment. Um, but I mean, to to that point, um, you know, first of all, let's let's talk about the law. Uh, there was um, uh, efforts to contest an election in a free society. You always have the right to contest an election. Um, they they bring up the point of alternative electors. Well, um, Jack Kennedy successfully used alternative electors, the, the very system that was used by the Trump campaign in the 1960 presidential election. Matter of fact, what the Trump campaign and what President Trump did in 1960 was follow the precedent from the Kennedy campaign in 1960. There's nothing wrong with that. Asking members of Congress to certify or not certify um, an election is something that is very clearly protected by the First Amendment, but not just the speech clause or the uh, assembly clause that we talk about so much when we think about free speech in the First Amendment. The First Amendment also includes something called the petition clause, which uh, makes it so that you have a right to petition the government for redress of grievances. And so legally you have that. Then you actually go and um, and look at the, the facts of the case um, where, uh, like I say, the, the speech, the tweets, every, everything that actually happened uh, showed that President Trump was calling for peace. Even after there was the um, the protesters in the Capitol, he then even uh, called for peace again. Asked people to uh, to leave and, and go home. Called for uh, uh, called for peace. It, it reminded people that law enforcement are on our side. That we're the party of law and order. Um, so factually speaking, they they just don't have a case there uh, as well. Even if, if the law did favor them, which it doesn't. So. Um, this, again, is, is another legally uh, baseless case. It's, it's something that Jack Smith knows is not going to withstand appellate uh, scrutiny. He's just banking on being able to bring it in a forum like Washington, D.C., where the, uh, um, the jury poll is very much in favor, of course, of establishment Washington. Yeah, you and bet. So and that's, like that's why Trump. he's right. That's why they're yeah, moving he already from Florida it in to D.C. Yeah. Where uh, yeah, right. did yep. Trump lose Manhattan like 95 to 5 or something yeah, well, like and, that? Yeah, and it's not much better in yeah. D.C. You know, and but, D.C. is not much better. Um, before uh, you go, Jesse, i got to get your reaction to this thing. It's making lots of news. President Biden uh, just came out, and he said uh, Republicans are going to try to impeach him because inflation's down. And uh, very flip about it. Uh, your reaction, Trump attorney Jesse Benal? Now, Republicans are going to impeach him because it appears as if he was involved in a multimillion-dollar bribery scheme, and he lied about it. He continues to, to lie about it, and it's not something that's just about Hunter. It's about Joe Biden and quid pro quo and all this money that was going to, to Hunter to basically launder the money going to uh, to Joe Biden. And so he can try to come up with whatever lame political excuses he, as he wants if he thinks – um, that the American people are are good economically right now, uh, then I'm I'm telling you he's not gone out to real America. He's spent too much time in in Washington D.C. and his beach house in in Delaware to actually see the people that are hurting in this country. Yeah, it, it, the, the whole like arrogance, you know, like Hunter kind of going in thinking yeah. he's going to skate, and then here Biden, ha ha ha, they're they're thinking of impeaching me. Uh, you know, it just I, I don't think the American public. 
appreciates it as very serious allegations, and it could get a lot more serious yep. after Devin Archer on Monday. Uh, Jesse, thank yeah. you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Jesse. Have a great weekend. Let's uh, go to uh, a break, and when we come back, hopefully we have Bill Bratton, but it's Friday afternoon. We're still looking for him. <laughs> a common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And joining us now is one of the great economic and great anchors out there. He is, of course, a political financial commentator, a big best-selling author, a TV host. And joining us now is the great Lou Dobbs. Lou, great to have you here on Cats and Cosby. This is Rita. Wonderful to have you here. Well, great to be with you, Rita. Thanks so much. Well, Lou, we missed you for a few weeks. You're on vacation, but we hope to have you back real soon. Um, well, looking forward to it. Yep. And tell us, Lou, I mean, the economy, uh, I saw uh, uh, Brian Moynihan on television the other day and uh, of Bank America, and he says that uh, the consumer is spending well. Uh, there's other people that are saying that uh, various uh, various different things, that, that the, there's no depression coming. Uh, then somebody else is saying there is a depression coming. The price of oil has sneaked up to $80. Uh, because of of what's going on uh, in in the, in the world market, but we called you to have your opinion. Well, my opinion uh, will fit in with about a half the half the country, and the other half will be, uh, as you suggest, you know, split on the issue. But I just don't see all of the naysayers being right in this, John. Uh, right now, we're looking at low inflation, lower inflation at least, uh, low unemployment. We're looking at uh, strong, uh, healthy growth. It's nothing extraordinary, but 2.4% in the latest uh, reading uh, for the quarter. And I just don't see a reason for the, the, the shorts to get all excited about it because the market has moved up 7% year-to-date on the Dow. I, I just can't find a place where we could say that we're in disequilibrium or that there are, uh, you know, dark, dark clouds waiting uh, on the horizon. In, I, in fact, I, I agree. Are, now, the, the other question I ask everybody, nobody's giving me the answer. Maybe you'll give me the answer. How if the country is not doing well and things are going towards a depression, why would the Fed allow the banks to, like J.P. Morgan and Bank America to raise their their dividend? Well, if those two banks were in any kind of difficulty, and, of course, the real difficulty is amongst some of the uh, weaker regional banks, I'll put it that way, uh, it's never been a banking-wide crisis. Uh, and that's one of the mistakes that the, the national media, the business media made in covering all of this with the signature and SBP. Uh, it's it's a different uh, a different kind of banking uh, I would call it disturbance not a crisis that we've had uh, and and you're exactly right those banks are under the greatest scrutiny and the Fed would not permit a dividend if indeed there was any question they couldn't pass a stress test or get through a, uh, an unexpected uh, black swan moment in the economy so again it's a, a, a great indication and I think by the way when you talk about oil prices. $80 a barrel, I mean, it was unthinkable, you know, just a few months ago, and here we are, because there is that demand, and it's a very straightforward matter. 
Uh, and that demand is created by economic activity, and that's a strong signal uh, for everyone uh, in, in the markets, irrespective of the market. Well, Larry Summers, uh, a former uh, Treasury uh, Secretary, mm-hmm. and uh, has uh, said he's been criticizing uh, President Biden lately, uh, saying Biden, uh, Bidenomics uh, is not going to work and uh, the price of oil is going up, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what, uh, have you heard that and what say you about that? Well, Larry Summers is a very smart fellow. And when he says something like that, if you don't agree, you have to really kind of think uh, considerably about what he is what he is saying. Uh, and he's, in my judgment, he's right on a number of issues that point toward higher prices, whether it's uh, crude oil prices rising. But at the retail level, we still have very healthy prices. They have not be they're not exorbitant right now, particularly opposed to a two year ago uh, metric. Uh, so, and we're looking at a an economy that is still, you know, finding it very difficult to find labor. They're having to pay. That's always an indication. But I have to tell you, from my experience, John, I think that higher wages mean that you have consumers who can uh, better afford the products and services out there and drive the economy. I think it's this. Uh, it's one of the shibboleths in economics. Uh, is that the Fed has to make a choice between uh, employment uh, and and rates. Uh, the fact is, uh, I think that they have to worry about price stability, and if they keep their focus on that, we won't have to worry about what is concerning uh, Larry so much, uh, and, and that is you know, driving prices significantly higher. We've already come through, that. Uh, I think, that particular hurdle. Well, the CEO of Ford today uh, made a revelation on CNBC uh, that their uh, EV sales are not on target, warns that wider losses due to slower than expected demand. Any comment mm-hmm. on that? Yes. Well, when you raise the price of a Ford product, as uh, uh, as they have uh, done over the past uh, year by uh, four times, uh, Ford is not right now a very well-managed company. They've had great press uh, and uh, great media. But the fact is they haven't been delivering on either production or, importantly, uh, product quality. And uh, that in terms of EVs I'm talking about. Yes. Uh, and that's a that's a huge, uh, well, impediment to their growth in EV. Uh, looking at other EV makers, uh, you know, and I could, you know, name a number, but uh, certainly amongst them, and we're talking about low volume, but R- Rivian looks to be a seller standout because it's got a very significant uh, balance sheet. Uh, it is delivering product. Uh, and we're going to see in the next uh, couple of weeks about uh, earnings. And if these companies start producing er- uh, earnings, uh, th- then Katie bar the door. I think Ford is an outlier. Uh, they poorly manage their EV effort. They're going to go now to hybrids. Uh, and, you know, I think that's a mistake. They, they've just uh, they've messed up. That's all there is to it in their Lou, EV business. Lou, uh, we've got a minute left. Your call. Yes, what would you like to tell the American people? Uh, that right now we are going through a, a political crisis, not an economic crisis. Uh, it's very disturbing uh, for all of us. And the reality is uh, the economy is basically strong and the leadership is particularly weak. Uh, and, uh, you know, think about it, those uh, those realities as you look forward uh, to the uh, to the next horizon. But uh, certainly there's no reason here for pessimism. There is no reason uh, for uh, deep concern. Uh, and a little fear is always good for all of us. 
I agree 100%. Lou Dobbs, have a great weekend, and you're looking forward to talking more together, and, and we'll uh, talk to you real soon. Thanks so much, John. Appreciate it. Rita, I think we have the former police commissioner waiting. Yes, we do. We have uh, the great Bill Bratton, former NYPD commissioner, of course, also uh, chief of police there in Los Angeles and also commissioner in Boston. Uh, The great Bill Bratton, Um, Commissioner Bratton, thank you so much for joining us. There is so much to talk with you about. Um, First off, um, you wanted to talk about this issue with the NAACP in Oakland, what's been happening, just the crime in California, and it's sort of indicative of what's happening around the country. Yes, uh, it, it made you aware of uh, a uh, press release put out by the NAACP chapter in Oakland, California. NAACP is the, one of the largest and most respected uh, uh, of the African-American uh, entities in the country. And the Oakland chapter put out a press release today that basically was a uh, a manifesto, if you will, about what has gone wrong in Oakland and what they think is necessary to correct it. And if you read it, it's amazing because it's a total repudiation of what has been going on for the last over half dozen years in the country. I'll read you one quick paragraph out of it that uh, is... uh, Phenomenal, coming from an African-American organization. Failed leadership, including the movement to defund the police, uh, district attorney's unwillingness to charge and prosecute people who murder and commit life-threatening serious crimes, and the proliferation of anti-police rhetoric have created a heyday for Oakland criminals. If there are no consequences for committing crime in Oakland, crime will continue to soar. And it sounds familiar, doesn't it? It sounds like New York. That uh, So I was amazed to see this document. Maybe there's some light at the end of the tunnel, finally. Maybe. Maybe there's some common sense coming. Now, uh, uh, before uh, we found out, there was an article in the New York Post today that broken windows is broken uh, because uh, 2,500 fair beaters, 2,500 fair beaters have been caught, had significant higher uh, uh, warrants uh, on uh, on them, and if we would have arrested them, we were taking some killers off the street. John, in 1990, when I was brought down from Boston to take over the transit police in New York City, we had uh, about uh, 250,000 fare evaders every day in a system of 3.5 million riders. The crackdown and turnaround of crime and disorder in New York City began in the New York City subways in 1990, and it began with going after fare evaders. Back at that time, and I write about this in my books and wrote about it just most recently in my social media tweets, one out of every seven stopped at that time were wanted on a warrant. One out of every 21 stopped were carrying a weapon. The statistics that the Post is posting these last several days, they're even worse than back in 1990, which was the worst crime year in the history of the city. Those statistics in the Post are based only about a, on about a one to 2,000 fair evasion arrests. We are not stopping in our fair readers. The department is trying, but we have district attorneys that refuse to prosecute for that crime. Uh, there's an old expression, those who don't know their history are doomed to repeat it. Well, the history of New York City, the crime turnaround for 25 straight years, began by going after fair readers. When will our district attorneys smarten up and recognize that when crime goes unpunished, crime goes up? 
One more item. I was yelling and screaming at the beginning of the show today that they want to build affordable housing by 7 World Trade Center, which is fine by me. But why don't we put in uh, police officers, uh, uh, firemen, uh, instead of them living up in Rockland County or 50, 75 miles away, I'd rather have them in the city. What say you? Well, John, John, the irony of it is uh, the majority, uh, more than 50% of police officers, I don't know about firefighters, but 50% live in the city. But increasingly, because of the high cost of living, and increasingly because the wages for a New York City police officer are nowhere near what is paid in the suburbs, uh, out here in Long Island, Nassau, Suffolk County, uh, Port Authority, their wages are nowhere near what are paid to the surrounding police departments. So we lose a lot of fine young men and women to surrounding areas for a combination of things. Schools that don't teach, housing that's too expensive, salaries that don't allow you to have a middle-class life in the city. All of this can be corrected, but it's not being corrected, unfortunately. You know, um, Commissioner, I wanted to ask you also, uh, this to me is just – it gets me so angry. Uh, the getaway driver and the person who was involved in the assassination of a young NYPD officer, um, Eddie Byrne, uh, as you probably know, it was a you know execution style. He was 22, had only been on the force for a month. Uh, well, the New York uh, Parole Board has basically said, um, you know, he should be granted parole. I mean, I, I, you know, to me, I think we need to send such a powerful message for anybody who's involved in a cop killing, especially something like this. It's an outrage. Uh, Eddie Byrne, his brother, Larry Byrne, worked for me as my deputy commissioner for legal matters, the late, great Larry Byrne. I attended many ceremonies in Queens uh, at midnight honoring the death of his brother, Eddie. I attended the Washington, D.C. memorials each year with Larry mourning his brother. The death assassination of Eddie Byrne actually was the catalyst for the beginning of the turnaround of crime in America because it was so heinous when a uniformed police officer sitting in a mock police car is assassinated by a yep. drug dealer. It was an execution. It was an execution. The country woke up. The idea that under Governor Cuomo and Governor Hochul, I guess the figure is actually over 30-some-odd cop killers have been paroled by their appointed parole boards. Parole boards appointed by our two most recent governors are letting these killers out at a fast and furious rate. Crime unpunished results in more crime. That's the reality of it. Well, if the PBA doesn't do something about it and put out a full-page ad, I will put out a full-page ad if uh, somebody helps me. uh, Right. uh, Because the people have to know. John, I think you'll find the PBA will be more than happy to work with you. They put out a phenomenal press statement. They go up and testify at these parole board hearings with the families of the deceased officers. But the parole board that's been in place now for the last, well, 12 years has been letting these cop killers out in the fast and furious. Well, I want to put a picture of them in the New York Post, who they are, where they are, and and how they voted uh, letting these killers out. Bravo. Good for you. People need to know, John, because it is outrageous. Half of it, I think, is educating the public. We love our officers, and you got to stand by them, Commissioner. When they give their life, the last full measure of devotion to protect you and I, we need to remember and honor them forever and their families. And that means putting their killers away forever and uh, letting them on parole. I'm sorry that uh, uh, some people's lives should be turned around, but cop killers... I do not support in favor of letting cop killers out on parole.
Yeah, uh, David Patterson, Governor David Patterson has a question. I just wanted to thank Commissioner Bratton for not including me in the governors who messed up the uh, parole board because I tried very hard not to do it. Oh, thank you, Governor. Oh, Robert. They stab you in the back, though. These are appointees of the governors, and so the governors need to be held responsible and accountable for this. And, again, this idea of the parole board, really nobody knows what they do, who they are, how they come to be appointed. And, uh, again, it's just in this state it has become a travesty in the sense of any police officer killer that is applying for parole in this state is getting out, and it should not be, should not be. Commissioner Bill Bratton, thank you for everything you've done for our city and continue to speak out for our city and our citizens. God bless you. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Jonathan, May, thank you. I'm uh, reading your book, How Far Do You Want to Go? Great book, great biography. <laughs> thank you so much. Compliments on it. Your 16 principles are right on. Many of them I share myself, but uh, it's a great book. My compliments to you on it. Thank you so much, Commissioner. Beautiful. Uh, let's take a break. And when we come back, we've got the head of the National Association of Broadcasters. Big development on AM radio, did, John. Did America finally win? And, and, and some of those uh, automobile manufacturers lose because AM radio is going to stay on a, a bipartisan uh, vote uh, in, the, in, the, in the United States Senate. Well, we'll learn more when we come back. Let's take that break. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here to Katz and Cosby. Big news on AM radios being required, which are necessary for emergency reasons and so much else. Moving, advancing in Congress now to a Senate committee. Uh, and joining us now is Curtis Leggett. He is the national uh, president of the National Association of Broadcasters, which is the biggie that oversees, advocates for basically TV, radio, everything. And uh, Curtis Leggett, we're so happy to have you here on the show. Thank you. This is a big deal. Oh, I'm I'm thrilled to be here. And you're right. It, it is a big deal. I think in, in this polarized political climate, when you've got the level of bipartisan support that we have for this piece of legislation, and it's strongly bipartisan between the House and the Senate, you know, more than 170 co-sponsors, almost evenly divided Democrat and Republican, uh, we're thrilled for the congressional support and very optimistic on this bill's progress. Curtis, who is the uh, the one uh, uh, senator from uh, that voted against it? Senator Gary Peters from Michigan uh, voted against this bill in the Senate Commerce Committee this week um, on the 27 member panel. Uh, he was one. So there were 26 yes votes and, and one no. He's a senator from the state of, of Michigan. So, you know, when you look at his constituency, the heavy auto presence, I guess not all that much of a surprise. Uh, but I think this signals that in spite of all of that and the heavy shoe leather that the car manufacturers have been putting in to oppose this bill on Capitol Hill, uh, we, we've got the numbers on our side in the Senate. Curtis, you let me know what car manufacturers are approaching, and we will give them hell. Their stock will drop 50%, I'm sure, after I finish with them. <laughs> 
Well, sure. listen, we're, we just couldn't be uh, more pleased with the progress. As you all know, you know, this bill was introduced a little bit more than two months ago. And that what has really driven the bipartisan support for this is that over the last 10 weeks, more than 300,000 AM radio listeners from across the country have reached out to their members of Congress talking about the importance uh, of the medium. Uh, and, you know, there's a public safety element to this, as you know well. There's just a popularity element of this, 82 million Americans tuning into AM radio every month in this country. And then there's a diversity element. You know, there are, uh, there are programs airing on AM radio stations across the country that the economics just don't work on any other medium. We're available completely free to any demographic that wants to tune in, um, whether you want your religious programming, conservative, liberal, news, sports, we've got it all. And that's why I think we've got a coalition here that's very, very strong and gives us a strong chance of getting this over the finish line, uh, this Congress. But there's a lot more work left to do. That's awesome. And everybody, we're talking to Curtis Leggett. He's the president of the National Association of Broadcasters. Um, Curtis, also real quick, remind everybody out there uh, why it is such an important thing, especially with emergencies. There's been a lot of late uh, where there has been, you know, a lot of, you know, physical issues, health issues. There's so many different reasons um, around the country where AM really is a lifeline. Yeah, and, and there's really two two primary reasons for that. The first is, as you just pointed out, if you're dealing with a hurricane, a wildfire, a tornado, other natural disaster, other forms of communication go down, uh, AM has the infrastructure and the redundancy to ensure that our stations are going to stay on the air and that on a very localized basis, uh, audiences can tune in uh, to get what they need and find their way to safety. Then there's the lesser known piece of this, that the emergency alerting system, those alerts that go out from FEMA, on AM, on FM, to your television stations, the entry point for those alerts is uh, roughly 77 AM stations located across the country that are equipped to stay on the air in a time of massive disaster. And so if you don't keep those AM stations viable, uh, you're not going to get those emergency alerts even if you're not an AM listener. So this is critical in a time of emergency, and I think for these legislators on both sides of the aisle, that argument in particular has really resonated. I remember when uh, the whole Northeast was out and people gathered around their cars to listen to WABC radio to find out what the heck is going on. The whole Northeast was out of power. And if you have a EV, an electric vehicle, guess what? The, even if they try to hook you up by internet, that's going to be out. Yeah, yeah. AM is the place to go, the yes. only place at, at those and it critical has to be moments. Real AM, not an AM through their electronics. And, and, and what they wanted to do, I understand, is instead of giving you free AM radio like everybody gets, they wanted to charge you nine dollars ninety nine cents to to tune in. Yeah, it was like a cash that's grab exactly. for something you're getting for free now, which is crazy. That's, ex- that's exactly right. Look, if if you zoom out here, I think we all understand what's going on in the automobile, which is that these manufacturers want to ensure they can monetize every element of the consumer experience in the car. So whether that's subscription services or by monetizing your personal data, that's the game. And AM and FM radio sit outside of that ecosystem, completely free, locally available, no dollars needed, no expensive data plans. And it just doesn't fit in uh, with the, either the tech industries or the auto industry's plans for the automobile. And, so we're fighting and, back against that. And Good. protected by FEMA. Uh, FEMA is spending a lot of money making sure 
AM stays on the radio, even in nuclear attack. They've been, they've, FEMA has been tremendous, and, and the FEMA administrator has been very outspoken about the need to keep AM radio in the car. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll talk to you. Keep us informed because we are, we, we're out to get the truth out, and uh, uh, thank you for everything you do, and God bless you, and have a great weekend. Well, th- thank you for uh, just talking about this issue as frequently as you are. You've been tremendous partners in this, and, and I'm, I'm game to come on here anytime you'd like to talk about it. Fantastic. Thank you Thank so much. you. Wow. All right. Thank-, thank you so much. And by the way, uh, the headline, another headline coming from the White House says, Biden's dog, a commander, has bitten Secret Service officers 10 times in the last four months. And the Biden's White- dog bit seven Secret Service? Uh, no. Bit, uh, no, Secret Service officers 10 times total. And the White House is saying, John, that it's a very stressful time at the White House. But a dog? And the dog feels it, too. <laughs> I understand coming on as we, we, we got Dr. Mark Siegel, uh, uh, Fox News contributor, WABC contributor. Uh, Dr. Siegel, what the heck is going on? Uh, a newly anointed veterinarian. Listen, uh, <laughs> the, the I love this guy. Point, Are you coming to breakfast the... tomorrow? Of course I am. Okay. I, I first got to pick my wife and son up at the airport, then I'm out there. And and I, I wouldn't miss it for the world, even if it's 100 degrees. But, 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 but by the way, uh, and I so agree with your last guest about the importance of your radio station in, in emergencies and you and Rita, uh, about the dog. This is not actually a minor story. You would think it's a joke, but the question is, why can't they train these dogs? The last one, Major, was biting people. Now this one is biting people. I mean, why is why is he biting people? You know, it's not – people want to say it's because German Shepherds are distempered. They're actually not. They're sweet dogs. I love German nervous. Shepherds. Yes. But they're nervous, John. They're nervous, and they're nervous if something's going on. I guess they wonder where the cocaine is coming from there, you know? Well, <laughs> maybe they sniffed it. That's what I'm wondering. Maybe, maybe they, they did. You know what? Also, what listen, the they're what dealing with the also, truck? doctor, they're also dealing with, you know, imagine what it's like right now with the White House. I mean, you see it on Corinne Jean-Pierre's face. She's like stressed out. After all, the Hunter Biden plea deal falls apart. Biden's worried about being impeached. Um, you know, it, it's a crazy time. Dogs feed off your energy, don't you think, too? Completely agree. But having said that, one of the people I spoke to is a, is a guy I revere, is a pulmonologist and a police surgeon. And he says, you know, the police dogs are mostly German shepherds and they're very well trained and they don't bite people. So if you could get a police dog in the midst of that kind of stress, not biting anybody, they could do it here, too. They want the Secret Service to train the dog. The Secret Service says we don't train dogs, bring in some trainers. And that's all it needs. So what about uh, maybe the dog detected uh, the cocaine, like John's saying, in the cubby? What do you think? <laughs> well, that's that's possible. You know, I mean, that's possible. Maybe that made the dog nervous. But German Shepherds tend to get nervous. But they're very loyal. And, you know, they're beautiful dogs. And they should be able to train them. And that's the that's the uh, the, the tragedy. But this is two in a row. They, they tried to blame the last one on the fact that he came from a shelter. This one was a gift from the president's brother. I, I got uh, a, a breaking news from a friend of ours in Washington. I'd often sit, sit on our, uh, uh, our on our show. He says because of all the, the Biden stories he's sending out, he says Facebook, he got an email from Facebook or text uh, your account actively don't follow your community standards. 
Wow, because he's been reporting about Biden? Yes. So you can't do one more thing for the next 23 hours or something. Oh, wow. So so it's censoring. That's our friend that usually sits here when he's in New York. I'm talking about Commander, though, the president's dog, so I should be all right. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The dog, dog, uh, I think German Shepherds are great. Oh, I had had a German Shepherd. They're great dogs. They are great dogs. If Facebook is listening, I think German Shepherds are great. (laughs) And Commander's the greatest. (laughs) Commander, Commander, do not bite the president. He's on blood thinners. Don't bite him, please. Good advice. Dr. Mark Siegel, thank you so much. I hope to see you at breakfast, and uh, we'll talk to you real soon. I'm a featured speaker at that breakfast. Uh, uh, You are. are. Oh, great to talk. Have a great weekend, doctor. We love you. You too. Thank you. Wow. Uh, By the way, speaking of security, um, we were talking a little bit earlier. uh, RFK, uh, the news, John, that RFK apparently has been denied Secret Service protection. Oh, my God. I mean, RFK Jr., here he is out there on the campaign trail. That goes through Biden, right? I mean, that goes, that's, that's a decision, right, Gov? That would go through the White House. And yet here it is. He's not getting Secret Service protection. He is a campaigner, and he's the chief rival for, you know, the president of the United States. That's a terrible, I, terrible I think, thing. By the way, my friend in Washington that I just knocked off on Facebook, he says Secret Service agents has now been hospitalized. Yeah, one of the with the dog. One of them it was bitten so badly with the Did dog. Did side by side uh, to, uh, you know, rooms or something? Next to commander. <laughs> Let's take a break. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we have Kimberly Strassel who has some big scoops on Hunter Biden. No wonder commander is so stressed out. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Our next guest, Kimberly Strassel, has some big news all happening on the Hunter Biden front. Um, you know, before we get into it, did you see the president uh, just a little bit ago, Kim, uh, suggesting Republicans will impeach him because inflation is down, basically saying, ha, ha, ha. Uh, it, it was so flippant. It almost was like, catch me if you can. Classic Biden. Yes, I know. And, you know, there was a couple of things there, not just uh, laughing it off, but also taking credit for things that aren't happening or haven't happened fast enough and for problems he created. Yay. Kimberly, it's Richard Weinberg. Welcome back. I read your column. I think it's absolutely an extraordinary column because it lays out exactly the fact that there was collusion between the Justice Department and Defense Counsel on this deal. The whole thing was a sham. They were trying to flim-flam the judge and push it through. Could you comment on that? Yeah, it's absolutely remarkable. First, we find out from these whistleblowers that the investigation was tilted entirely in Hunter Biden's and Joe Biden's favor. Now we find out this plea deal was as well, too. Um, And there's a couple of provisions really worth noting. One of them is obviously this diversion program that Hunter is required to go into saying that he won't use uh, any drugs or or hold a firearm um, for two years. And if so, this gun charge gets dropped. Normally, it's always the Department of Justice that decides whether or not the terms of that agreement have been violated. Instead, Hunter's team demanded that that authority be given to a judge on the grounds that they argued that a future Republican Department of Justice might not be 
uh, trusted to correctly uh, hold him to account and might go after him. I mean, it was so extraordinary that the judge says that it's likely unconstitutional. I, I agree with that. And the other, but the other thing, it seems to me, and you, you raise this in the column, I think you're absolutely right, the blanket immunity that was given, the overbroad immunity against crimes they're supposed to be investigating now. Talk about that, yes. please. Yeah, and in addition, not only this broad immunity for, in, in essence, anything related to the investigation that touched on the things that were in this plea deal. Um, so you, you've got all that. But they tucked it into a part of the deal, a second part of the deal, that essentially made it impossible for the judge to strip it out without killing the entire arrangement. And that really steamed the judge. She actually asked them, one of the prosecutors, have you ever seen an agreement put together like this? And he said, no. Yeah, that was a moment. By the way, the prosecutor actually said, uh, you know, Kim, I want to ask you real quick about uh, Devin Archer, because Monday he is expected to testify. There's a huge headline today that he's in hiding and he fears for his safety and his family's safety. Uh, he could have the goods on Hunter Biden. No wonder we did a segment before you how the dog is so stressed out there. I think everybody in the White House is probably stressed out over Devin Archer on Monday, potentially. Well, and this is finally the people the Republicans really need to be talking to. I mean, some of the witnesses have been good. Obviously, the whistleblowers were important. But it's Hunter Biden's business partners who need to go under oath and explain exactly which meetings Joe Biden was in, what calls he was on, who 10 for the big guy actually is referring to, um, and get to the bottom of some of this. We have Tony Bobolinsky who did that, but for some reason he was largely written off by the media. Um, we need to get these guys in under oath and get some evidence out there that's going to be even harder for the media to flim-flam with. Absolutely. And everybody, we're talking to Wall Street Journal uh, uh, on the editorial board. By the way, she has an awesome new book. It's called The Biden Malaise. Uh, Governor David Patterson, you have a question for Kim. Kimberly, going back to the arrangement uh, and the defense insisting that the judge be, in a sense, the supervisor of it, which is actually, in my opinion, whether not even unconstitutional, it's just not part of the law. The judge can't be that uh, individual who watches the defendant after the plea deal. And then makes the charge. And then makes the charge, exactly. That's right. And she, in, in fact, made your point. She said, look, this is essentially imbuing me with the powers of a prosecutor. We have this thing called the separation of powers. I don't get to do both of those things. It, it, it actually, I mean, you could make the argument it also wouldn't be appropriate uh, in fairness to Hunter in some ways. Yeah, and, and she even said that. By the way, Judge Weinberg, you got a great question, too, here for uh, Kimberly. Kimberly. Sorry, you know, there's, there's this controversy going on whether or not a special counsel should be appointed to investigate uh, uh, Joe Biden and, and Hunter. And the uh, Senate Republicans are calling for it, some of them, and the House Republicans leading the committees are, are against it. My problem is if a special counsel is appointed by Garland, you can't trust that it would be anything but a show. Who's ever heard about the special counsel doing anything in the investigation of uh, Biden's document retention? And then they can put up the phony story. Well, it's an ongoing investigation and let the statute of limitations run. So in my view, you have to get a couple of things here. You either get an indictment, which tolls the statute of limitations, or you get a waiver of the statute of uh, limitations. What do you say on that? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more with the complications of a special counsel. One, I don't like special counsels in general. I have issues with them. 
Um, but I think not only the, the question of whether or not it it it, uh, it then makes it impossible to go after him because of the statute, um, but also it's going to deep six this. Um, you know, and we're not going to get any more information. And I think it's really vital people get this information now as we are headed into a reelection so that they understand the man who wants to be president again, what we actually know about him. If a special counsel takes over, all of this information goes away potentially for years. Yeah, just like uh, the special counsel who's supposedly looking at Biden's documents. Uh, we've heard zilch. Um Kim Strassel, thank you. We love you. Have a great weekend, Kim. Great stuff. Thank you. You guys, too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we wish everybody have a great weekend. The sun's going to be shining. And, uh, uh, David, you're going to get any darker, but uh, be careful. <laughs> <laughs> David, well, I love it. David, your laughter is the I best. Know, I the love best. It. I love it's it. the best. No, we, we all love, love the government. We all joke around together. We all love the government. No, that was yes. coming. <laughs> well... What do we all stand for? Truth, justice, and the American way. God bless America, and everybody have a great weekend. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.